Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to Horse and Aloud, arguably one of the best Australian Bojack Horseman podcasts. I'm Jem DeSalis. And I'm Paige Winkle. And today we watched Season 6, Episode 8 of Bojack Horseman, the Netflix original series. <laughs> um, yeah, so this You one... may have heard of it. <laughs> um, this one's called A Quick One While He's Away. Huh. Hmm. I don't know if any character actually says that. What is that referring to? Yeah, I don't know. Is that like a a line from something famous? Maybe. I'll have a quick Google. I mean, it sort of fits in that this is basically like a series of smaller plots that are just looking in on people who mostly we haven't seen in a while in Bojack and who we won't see again in Bojack and Bojack's not in it, which I'll talk about more at the end, but... Everything coming up is either the Bojack Horseman episode or a song, call it a quick one while he's away, by Pete Townshed. Okay. From 1966. Just having a quick look at the lyrics, it looks like it's about a girl. Bojack knows those. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Um, There's a lot about being home soon. (gasps) Bojack lives at home (laughs) again now. It's a really long song, actually. Lots of lyrics. Oh, okay. It ends with... Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. The last chunk of the song is the word forgiven said 40 times. I think that's okay, what they're wow. going with. <laughs> I think that's the reference. Man, this song looks stupid written down. I bet it's good, though. Yeah, there's a big... <laughs> Fa-la-la, cello, 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 cello. <laughs> Eagle's wings. There's birds in this show. Nice. Yeah, I think it's kind of just like about how Bojack is absent from these people's lives, but he's still having knock-on effects to them. Yeah. And is he forgiven? 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 <laughs> yeah, so I guess the if we want to get into it, the episode starts at a convent and we see Sister Margaret or as we know her character actress Margot Martindale and she's discussing some concerns she's had with her mother superior. I find myself consumed by thoughts of my past. You have no past. You've confessed. Your sins have been washed clean. I've always found the term character actress kind of odd. In what way? Well like character actor seems to refer to people who like don't play main roles. Hmm. But the main roles in things are still characters. <laughs> like, if, if anything, <laughs> they're more a character than secondary characters. So, like, yeah. I, I don't understand why the term is character actor. Yeah. Yeah. I had a quick Google, and a character actor is a supporting actor who usually plays um, unusual, interesting, or eccentric characters, and the term often is contrasted with that of leading actor. But the leading actor's playing a character too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the world's a stage, you know? <laughs> anyway, that's just, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so Margot Martindale questions whether her her sins have been wiped clear from her time at the convent. And if that actually has any effect on the people that she's hurt. The people I've hurt, the lives I've ruined, are they washed clean as well? Which I think sets up this episode nicely, where we're just looking at, I guess, situations where Bojacks hurt people. Uh, nah. No? I think everyone's fine. <laughs> okay. I was like, yeah. have I misconstrued this whole thing? Oh, no. <laughs> no, I agree with you. This whole, like, oh, I, I haven't been absolved until I've actually tried to make a man's thing. Like, that's, that's definitely setting up. Like, the second half of the season, which is out now, and I've watched all of it. Have you watched it? Um, I haven't watched any of it. I just, since we had a conversation last week, I haven't watched much TV, so I was like, well, might as well not start now. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that you'll, like, do it episode by episode, or do you think that you will end up just, like, watching it in a bit of a binge? I'll probably binge it all this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, I... 
<laughs> I would hate watching BoJack in small doses. Mm. It's almost like when a new season of BoJack comes out, I want to get it out of the way. Because, <laughs> like, like, it's also that it's very good, but it's partly that I know that a season of BoJack Horseman is going to make me feel a certain way really intensely. And I basically just want to, like, do that all at once as fast as I can. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, it it generates a weird kind of moral suspense. That's <laughs> the only way I can describe it. It's like <laughs> So this leads Margot Martindale to steal a car that's being washed in the back of the scene. What, what dereliction is this? When you get to heaven, look up Margot Martindale. I won't be there, but my movies will! <laughs> I guess she's giving up being a nun. Yeah. Giving up the habit. Yeah, and I wonder if she's going back to make amends for the people that she's hurt. Or if she's just running away. Either's fine. Do we get closure on that? Do you want me to tell you? I don't know. <laughs> uh, nah. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you things if you want. Um, Alright, so then we get the intro. It seems to be the same intro we've had all season. It's not a very singable intro, is it? No. (laughs) (laughs) The end theme is very singable, though, so that's nice. Yeah, that is nice. The Song Exploder episode on the Bojack theme is really interesting. That's a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think we listened to that one and talked about it, didn't we? Oh, probably. Yeah. I feel like we probably just said, it's good. <laughs> it's good. You should listen. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't imagine either of us would have had anything really to say about like music theory. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> um. So we go to the newspaper. I I don't know if it's newspaper or tabloid magazine, but it's like something that puts out. Oh, it's the Hollywood Reporter. There we go. Yeah. So a fucking tabloid rag. <laughs> I don't know what the Hollywood Reporter is, but it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's actually the um, Hollywood Reporter, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, I bet a lot of the people that work there are animals, say eh? <laughs> This fucking show. The editor-in-chief is a seagull, and he's... Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Good work if you can get it. <laughs> There's a star-nosed mole that works there that we see in the background. I just like a star-nosed mole. Yeah, they're good. It's a good type of nose for a mole to have. (laughs) So the editor-in-chief is ordering an article about the outcome of the assistant strike and also a sandwich. I don't know who he's talking to, but it's somebody who can give him both. (laughs) (laughs) That just sounded like... I'm just picturing someone putting that like on their resume. Like, <laughs> I'll get you a story and I'll get you a sandwich. I can do it all. <laughs> get yourself an employee who can do both. Um, and then he finds out that his reporter page is on the way up. Way up. Dumb name. Finally, a character that can pronounce their name. <laughs> page Sinclair is on her way up. Ah, shit. She's the best reporter this building's ever seen, but goddamn, is that woman a pain in the ass. Colleagues, you may find my gown overly formal for the workplace, but that is because I am, as of today, formally a member of this vaulted institution, as I'm to be with tonight. So, Paige Sinclair is, like, like she speaks with a mid-Atlantic accent and in a very specific way. Are they doing, like, a specific character or film reference here, do you think? Or are they just doing, like, a fun anachronism bit? I think that her and also Maximilian Banks, uh, I think it's just a throwback to when journalism used to be. These witty people bantering all over the place. Maximilian Banks at my service. Maximilian Banks. I may lack your nose for news, but I've got an eyeball for a highball. Why, this man couldn't string together two clauses without ending on a preposition. I don't know what you're referring to. Guys, we're trying to work here. No matter, I shan't be staying. My sweet betrothed, Baxter Bellamy, awaits with champagne to show for me. I feel like you would quit before the day of the wedding. Yeah, I think that's what they're getting at. Like, she's like, oh... (laughs) <laughs> she's from this like old time style where she's like oh i must i am married i must quit work i don't really want to give up work so i'm gonna look for excuses 
she seems to be very good at fitting the theoretical wedding in and around her schedule. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a good point. It is like we see no evidence of it. She's just in a wedding dress with a bouquet, like. Yeah, and she occasionally will be on the phone to her betrothed. We don't know if there's anybody else on that yeah, phone. Yeah, maybe she's just fucking crazy. Yeah. Mental illness. That's what this show's about. <laughs> and truly, is there anything more mentally ill than monogamous marriage? Come at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you get the impression that she's quite good at her job, or she thinks she's quite good at her job. And there's also, as I mentioned, Maximilian Banks, who's kind of like the male version. He's got the like double-breasted suit and the moustache and the hair slicked back, and he... He's an alcoholic, which is fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do think that it's interesting that like they have two such whimsical characters being the ones who are like the impetus for some of the darkest shit that happens this season. Mm, yeah, I hadn't really like clicked to that because they could have had this plotline where like they're. You know, I'm presuming you've at least watched this episode, listeners, but, like, this episode where they're trying to, like, track down the true story of Sarah Lynn's death and they end up in New Mexico, like, you could have had that be a lot more serious. Mm. And I think it's interesting that they chose to do this juxtaposition here. I don't know if they just thought it would be interesting or if it's because they thought the other things going on in the episode were too dark, so it needed a little bit of levity somehow, but... Yeah. Ooh, Tuku and Birdie won an award. Maybe several awards? Oh, cool. Tucker and Birdie. Awarded. Nice. This animation awards thingy. Oh, that's good. I hope Netflix is regretting its decision. Yeah. Also BoJack, I think, which is what this show is actually about. I'm pretty sure BoJack also won awards. Um, oh, okay. I just wanted to mention that Maximilian Banks is voiced by Max Greenfield from, like, New Girl and stuff. Uh. Um, so we find out that Sarah Lynn's mother keeps calling the Hollywood Reporter. She calls every day to see if we have any information on her dead daughter. The answer's always no. Sounds like a scoop. It's not. It's a pop star who overdosed. Open and shut case. All the better for opening and shutting. Baxter, my boy, my dear sweet beautiful bridegroom, best put the champagne on ice. I've got a story that simply demands my attention, and I just couldn't marry you before it settled. I'd only be distracted, which isn't fair to you or me. I knew you'd understand. Every day, that's so rough. Yeah. It's been years, you'd think they could dial it down to, like, weekly. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently Maximilian's been taking all of these calls. Yeah, he just likes chatting with Sarah Lynn's mom, I guess. You've been taking those phone calls? Yes, she is as loony as a Canadian dollar, but she is a scintillating conversationalist. There does this transition thing where we're, like, watching Sarah Lynn's prickly muffin video that's shot at... The, what's it called? Planetarium. Planetarium. Thank you. Uh, and then we kind of jump back out from that and it's um, our old mate Trelawney and her boyfriend. We're watching the video and... Wait, what's the friend's name? Trelawney? No, not Trelawney. It's like the frog mouth, isn't it? Trelawney. Yeah, it's Tawny. Tawny, okay. But yeah, it was like Professor Trelawney. <laughs> yeah, that's where I must have been. In my oh. Bojack Horseman. <laughs> Did you ever notice that this music video takes place in a planetarium? And Sarah Lynn died in a planetarium? Hey, Tawny, are we going to this party? I didn't come all the way down to Manhattan to just watch you watch your boyfriend be on the internet. I'm not her boyfriend. We're uncomplicated like that. Her boyfriend, or not boyfriend, is a fanic fox, and he's wearing a shirt that just says creamy. <laughs> but in the, like, Supreme logo. Okay. I, I didn't know what logo it was meant to be, but okay. Oh, yeah, creamy. I just noticed that Maximilian Banks' tie has little hearts on it. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, weird detail. Yeah, and Holly Hawk's there with them, and she's like, Are you guys just want to watch going to watch videos on your laptop all night, or are we going out to this party? Come on, we're missing the party. But no, if we show up before two, everyone's going to think we're losers. Fine. Tony's hat has a label that just says hat. Yeah. It's fun. It is fun. I just noticed outside their house is the um the poster for Mario. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, he's like holding two massive guns. <laughs> and then we go to like a, 
I thought it was a movie poster at first, but it's actually an ad. Um, it's called The Girl Who Came In From The Rain. And then we, we see a little clip of that. That place you sent me didn't fix me because I am not a thing to be fixed, Daddy. Have a seat. We're having bacon blasted chicken fingers from chicken for days. And then we zoom out from that and it's actually a, something Kelsey Jennings... Jennings? Kelsey. We all remember Kelsey. Yeah. She's working on it. Kelsey Jannings, our little indie film darling. I, I do notice it's not as Chicken for Days focused as maybe it seemed in the outline stage. You want a close-up of the bucket? Ooh, I think that would make it feel like a commercial. And what's so innovative about this content is that it's not a commercial. She's presenting her ad to the ad people, but they're very adamant that it's not an ad. Yeah, it's a short film about chicken for days yeah are they foxes as well i think they're coyotes ah uh, yep but yeah the good. the um the executives uh a man and a woman both coyotes and she's wearing this nice floral blazer that then his tie is made of the same fabric yeah and their shirts are the same color as well yeah i don't know if that means something or if they were just like well Later in the episode, same color pants as well, later in the episode when Kelsey meets with some other executives or producers or whatever the fuck, they're mm. a couple of the same kind of lizard, also a man and a woman, and also with like a corresponding splash of color. Yeah. I think that something that's like probably very deliberate here is that in both cases, the woman is way more dressed up than the man. The male coyote is just wearing a shirt and tie but no jacket yeah. and i'm pretty sure the male lizard is just wearing like a t-shirt mm. whereas like both women are wearing like really classy like basically full pantsuits that they've accessorized really well yeah. and given that the whole like kelsey part of this episode is kind of about how women have to work a million times harder and they still don't get listened to or appreciated and the fact that the female counterparts in both pairs seem to like let the man do the talking and make the decisions I think that that's, like, a very deliberate wardrobe choice. Yeah, wow. I hadn't picked up on any of that. Boom, analysis. Also, there's a plant in the room where they're looking at the monitors and it's very dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, outside of the studio, Kelsey and her friend, who's another director, we're there to find out his name is Justin, are talking. Yeah, Justin's saying that she should be doing, like, he's very surprised that she's doing the kind of work she is while he's doing these big Hollywood blockbusters. Kelsey points out that she has to take these gigs because she has to pay for her daughter's schooling and that kind of work brings in the money. They're up against a vending machine for Lacroix instead of LaCroix and it's got feathers and it's like cool like a bird says and that kind of to me seems like they're coming down on the side of people should be pronouncing it Lacroix <laughs> in the original French but no one does that they say LaCroix. Yeah okay. Have you tried LaCroix? No, what's it? It's a very slightly flavoured sparkling water. Ugh, I hate So, like, them. it's not even a soda. It's, like, homeopathic soda. It's very, very dilute. Oh, okay. It's nice. It's slightly nicer than drinking regular soda water, but it's definitely for people who, like, mostly enjoy the bubbles in a thing, and I don't really like the bubbles in carbonated drinks. They usually, like, fizz some of them out anyway. Yeah. So... There's not, there's not a lot for me in La Croix. Okay. There's also a giraffe that rides by on a bike that's got like a big stack of scripts, I guess, on the on the front basket and mm. is holding them down with its big net. Yeah. Is that joke worth the giraffe? I would say kinda. <laughs> Although, you should, listeners, you should never carry too much weight in the front basket of a bike. You should get a rear rack if you're going to be carrying a lot of weight. Oh, good safety tip. if you get a little... Go over a bump and then the weight in the front will just flip you over the handlebars. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. It's not. Cool. Dead. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and there's a little smoking zone square, which I think is great. Great attention to detail. Yeah. And he goes off to Gina's trailer. So Gina's Gina Davis? Yes. Wait, no. Oh. Wait, is that the name of the character, or did I just name a random celebrity? You named a random celebrity. Fuck. Okay, what's Gina's name? Cazador. What? Cazador. I, I don't maybe I'm saying it wrong. It's C-A-Z-A-D-O-R. Cazador? Let's just call her Gina. Yeah, I, have we just never heard her surname before? That doesn't sound familiar at all. Maybe. Our old mate Gina from previous seasons, who got... A little bit strangled by a very drugged out Bojack. 
Yeah. A little bit isn't fair. She got pretty strangled. She got pretty More strangled str- than she would have liked, but not enough for her to die. <laughs> oh, God. Yep. So, um, Gina is annoyed about the changes in the script because nobody consulted her. What are these new pages? Why do I have new pages? You don't like the new pages. <sighs> the content of the pages is not the issue, Justin. Yeah. I spent time preparing the other pages. Why are you throwing new things at me? The insurance guys are nixing the car chase. So we put together a new hand-to-hand combat scene that we're going to throw on top of the merengue number. So it's a stunt? I thought you'd be excited. I'm excited. <sighs> is there choreography? When am I learning the stunt? April's going to be on set. She'll make sure you understand the stunt. And it's going to be safe? We are taking every precaution, and we are not going to shoot until you are 100%. Comfortable. Thank you. I didn't mean to bite your head off. I just don't like being surprised, okay? I should have warned you. Yeah, basically, like, th- this whole, like, through line of this episode of- with Gina is that she is, because of trauma from the thing that happened with Bojack, highly strung and demanding on set. But because no one knows about the trauma, because she very specifically didn't want anyone to know about it, for good reasons, everyone just thinks that she is a high-strung, demanding person to work with. Because they don't know the context. Yeah. Another thing with her through line is she keeps saying, I'm not crazy. Which I think is a comment on women can act a certain way and they are, you know labeled as being crazy irrational blah 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 whereas men can do it and get a high five yeah they you know they're not they're not criticized for it the same way women are yeah especially in the entertainment industry like if men are difficult or erratic and unpredictable it's because they're a genius or an auteur or like they're just a bit eccentric yeah, like George Clooney. Like, he's well known for doing, like, insane pranks on set. And that's just, you know, whimsical, fun. But I feel like if a woman did it. I'm actually being really cool here. I'm not some kind of monster just because I don't like surprises. You are being so cool. Ugh. Can you wait until you're out of earshot to make your exasperated size, please? Yes, sorry. She knows deep down that she's going to be cast as this, like, duh, crazy and difficult, and she wants to avoid that, but she can't because she has trauma. Oh, it's just a terrible situation to be in. Like, this culminates in, like, basically this... What's his name? Justin. Justin telling Kelsey that, like, to be honest, Gina isn't that great to work with. Yeah, so she misses out on work yeah like it's implied that that means she won't get a role in kelsey's new film and like he probably wouldn't have said that to kelsey if gina had shared with him the reason why she has specific needs on set Mm. and he even asks her if anything's going on and like we don't know anything about like their relationship outside of the film or how well they know each other like it's but I, I kind of wonder if, like, maybe she wanted, like, I don't know. We, we don't know if she wants to tell people about what really happened. But because there was that whole, like, public thing that she kind of spearheaded of, like, let's make this as though it was a non-issue. If she would have come forward now and say, no, actually, I it was, like, really traumatic and he wasn't in control and I felt that my life was in danger then people would be like, oh, you're changing your story, you just want attention. Like, she would look way crazier than if she had just been honest in the first place when everyone was kind of assuming that Bojack had gone nuts from, like, the video that went viral. Mm. So she's ended up kind of stuck. Yeah. Like, she wanted to put it behind her, and now that she's found out that she can't do that for internal reasons, then, like, it's kind of too late. Oh, awesome. There's another depressing layer of this depressing thing. (laughs) Yay! So, um, we get to see our favourite restaurant, Elephant. With our favourite waitress, who does not say a word. Give the voice actor her money. (laughs) At the bar at Elephant, there's like a sports TV that dogs are watching, but it's a frisbee tournament, and they're getting really excited about it. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, So, Kelsey is meeting with... Oh, I can't never say his name, Jem. Rudabega Rubitowitz. 
Robitowitz. So she's talking about that she wants to direct bigger and better things. The last big movie you were on, you got fired off of. Explain this to me. I didn't break into the Nixon Library alone, and yet I'm the only one whose career has suffered. Why do you think that is? Kels, I don't know by what fancy the fates push us about in their great cosmic dance. I am but an agent. There are at least three characters in this episode who we get to see how... Bojack's actions have continued to affect their lives in ways they haven't been able to move on from. Mm. But his name is never mentioned. Like, he's not in the episode. But they also never even, like, bring him up. Mm. Like, the episode literally cuts off seconds before the bit where he presumably is brought up explicitly. Yeah. And I think that's interesting. Hmm, that is interesting. Like, she could very easily at this point in the conversation be like, oh, look at Bojack, he's doing stuff yeah like the the implication of i'm still fucked up from this thing that happened is in all three cases and he's fine mm, yes i guess the bit with pete they do like at least talk about him as a person a bit <laughs> rabidowitz is just eating like he's just got a massive carrot on a plate and some grass <laughs> yeah also there's a sheep having dinner with a wolf oh which is fun that is fun yeah and at the other table um, Sarah Lynn's mum is meeting with the reporters. Carol, be a doll and tell this dame what you told me. I just don't understand why my daughter would start using again. She was sober. Listen to this. The last voicemail I ever got from her. Hey, mommy. Uh, I got out of a meeting and we're making amends, so I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I'm such a disappointment. <laughs> At the beginning, she says we're making amends. Who's this we? sarcastically apologizing for i feel like if they wanted this to land then they had sarah lynn's dialogue be a little too ambiguous she says i got out of a meeting and we're making amends mm. and that to me i would just interpret if i were her as at the meeting like we the people of alcoholics anonymous we were doing like there was a big focus on making amends yeah also, the other numbers that Sarah Lynn's mom has on her phone are the National Echidna and the Daily Snail. Oh, okay. Murph Rutswaller? Don't know what that's meant to be. You know, but that, yeah, maybe she's like, she's not just calling the Hollywood Reporter. That's Although, interestingly, sad. she's going through her voicemails, which means that those people and organizations have left her voicemails. Oh, yeah. Maybe trying to return her call or something. Anyway. Someone brought something up on Reddit when I checked it the other day that Sarah Lynn is her full name. Mm -hmm. And no one ever just calls her Sarah. Everyone always calls her by her full name in the same way that people call Mr. Peanut Butter and Princess Carolyn by their names. It's just that you don't really notice because it's like a regular human name. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't give that that much thought. I just thought her name is Sarah Lynn. It is, but I don't call you Paige Winkle every time I mention you. No, but that's because Winkle's my last name. Sarah Lynn's her first name. That's the thing, though. It's not. It's her full name. Oh, so it's her last name as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, her, her name is literally just Sarah Lynn. Okay. I'm looking at the wiki right now. Born Sarah Himmelfarb, but changed her name to Sarah Lynn. Okay. Yeah, okay. So then we go to the top of the Empire State Building, and they're talking about whether to go to the party or not. The only reason I came down here was so we could go to this party and get drunk. Come on. I've gone to, like, a hundred parties with you. You always say you're gonna drink, and you never do. I'm nervous about losing control. I think drinking alcohol might not be for you. But I don't want to be scared of something that's supposed to be fun. That's why I want to go to that party with a bunch of strangers. Because if I'm going to lose control, I don't want it to be in front of people I know. She doesn't want to lose control because her one experience with, like, substances was when she got her life spiked with amphetamines. Yeah. We also see some pigeons taking an aerial group selfie. <laughs> one. Oh, that's cool. And some binoculars for spiders. Oh, nice. <laughs> like those ones that you like coin operate. It's like one that has eight little <laughs> Oh, that's things. so good. Um, so then we go back to the, the editing room where Kelsey is working on the ad still, um, but she gets a call. 
fire flame. It's a superhero movie. Ugh, another one? Yes, but the difference is this one's about a lady superhero, which means this one you could actually get hired on. They don't want this to be just another superhero movie. They're looking for someone who can make a superhero movie with a twist. So, what, they want me to pitch the twist? No, the twist is that it's a woman. Ah. Uh. But they do want to hear your take, by which I mean they want you as a woman to tell them their take. He's being given a coffee by an intern or someone, and his coffee cup says Rude Bagel. <laughs> and there's one that says Van Gasser, that is presumably Vanessa Gecker, and also one that just says Fruple. <laughs> and one that might just say Poo, but it's obscured by other cups. Oh. <laughs> Classic. Behind him, we see some movie posters for, like... It's like the Pegasus trilogy, but then there's also a fourth one as well. Yeah, there's Flight of the Pegasus 3 that says the trilogy ends, and then there's Flight of the Pegasus 4, which is the trilogy soars beyond, and it's like <laughs> on the moon with a space helmet. Yeah. The the third movie stars Sharf Hollister, who is the zebra, um, and Lerna Nerna de Capricorn, and some lady, who is the female host in the same show as a Ryan Seacrest type. Ah. And then the fourth one does not have Lerna Nerna de Capricorn in it, and it stars both some lady and some other lady. <laughs> okay. Kelsey goes to the meeting with the executives, and as you were already pointed out, so they're like lizards? Yeah, I'm not sure what kind of lizards they are. I don't know lizards that well. Some kind of monitor, maybe? Okay, nice. And yeah, as you brought up before, she's dressed much nicer than him. He's got like that, like a t-shirt with a suit jacket thing on. Yeah, I think the colors are interesting. They give me a real McDonald's vibe. Which mm. I don't think is what they were going for. There's lots of interesting kind of superhero-y shit around the place. There's a big cutout of the Punisher, but he's a rabbit, so I guess that's the Punisher. There's like a <laughs> giant poster for, I'm guessing it's Electric Eel versus Crawdad, based on what they look like and the letters on their chests. Oh, nice. And uh, a couple of things I don't recognize. There's a guy that's just made of pots and pans, and there's one that's a fennec fox with a plunger and a cape. Oh, I see that um, one. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if those are specific puns I'm not getting or something, but yeah. Yeah. In Kelsey's chair. Yeah, it's like got a cape on. I've been saying for years, as soon as we run out of popular male characters and we've given them each two sequels, we have to make a movie about Fireflame. I think that's really edgy and outside the box. Yeah, my note is that Kelsey plays the game really well. Her pitch is kind of that, you know, woman superhero saves the day and everybody loves her. And yeah, they seem to like her and she leaves. So Kelsey leaves and gets in the elevator and she like lets out this sigh. There are some posters in the lobby. There's Shell Boy, which is like Hellboy, but he's a shell person, like a little clam head. And oh, nice. the tagline is legendary and fresh AF. <laughs> and there's also invisible, steer clear. It's got like an invisible bull. Yeah, I didn't see them. Oh, they're so cool. I like both of those. Um, so then we go to a community center, which the reporters have found out that that's the one that Sarah Lynn went to, um, where she had the AA meeting. Along with the AA meeting, there are other items on the schedule, including pick up basketball, put down basketball, free rabies tests, paint and sip, chug and doodle, and dingo bingo. Nice. Dingo bingo. So they're trying to f track down this mystery person. You want to get someone to squeal on an AA meeting? I do believe one A of the two stands for anonymous. I envy your faith in the honor and discretion of other people. Let's see how that honor stacks up against the desire to dish on celebrities so as to appear swank by association. And then they get to this. I've called him a drinking bird, but is that the correct name for those type of... I think the technical name for them is drinky bird. Ah. Yeah, but yeah, like the, the one who's like one of the like desk toy birds. Yeah. Who like sips from the liquid. And when, when he was in that episode with Sarah Lynn and Bojack in it, he was talking about how he would just keep dipping down. And then he's also drinking a coffee that doesn't have a lid on it because he's just like dipping his head all the way down into it. <laughs> Her friend. Large fella. I think he was a horse or a bull, maybe. It's hard to remember. He told a story, though. I remember that. It was about a trip he took to... New Mexico. This whole conversation like blew my mind. He doesn't mention Bojack's name. He seems to have forgotten it. You know, he, like he mentions that he remembers they specifically mentioned, oh, 
Bojack specifically mentioned Penny's name. And this man left with Sarah Lynn? Do you recall anything else about this man? His name, perhaps? No, but I remember the girl's name. The one in New Mexico. Penny Carson, he said. And that's her real name. You could look her up. I mean, in fairness, he might have remembered Bojack's name, but I don't think he gave it. Okay, yeah. I think he just got up the front and was like, hey, fuck you guys, I've got better, worse things I've done. Yeah, good point. Um, so it's possible this dude just has, like, a pretty good memory. It's just that Bojack didn't actually say. Guess he wasn't a big horse and around fan. Hmm. I think it's very interesting the way the story is being twisted in this episode. This is so long ago now. I think he had sex with the girl or maybe had sex with the mother. He didn't do either of those things. Mm. Like it's it's this interesting escalation of this kind of always happens when there's like a celebrity controversy. If you read the headlines and like the things people are saying on social media, if you actually dive into like the known facts of the situation, it's almost always not quite that bad, but it's difficult to say like, oh, it's more complicated than that without sounding like you're saying nothing wrong was done here. Mm. In the, in the same way that he didn't really entice Sarah Lynn to drink that hard. Like, she was sober because she wanted to be sober for, like, a month so that drinking alcohol would feel super good. Like, she was planning to drink again, and she had that, like, whole drink cabinet and, like, drugs and stuff that she, like, immediately exposed as soon as she had the first excuse to do it. But yeah. the way things are being played, it's like, you invited her out on a bender, you gave her drugs. He did wrong things but just not quite as wrong as people from the outside looking in are assuming hmm. even in the final scene when peter is talking about what happened in new mexico he's like oh and i eventually realized it wasn't my fault it wasn't her fault it was just some shitty dude like it was all bojack's fault and he says that he practically forced them to drink whiskey and like hmm. yeah he shouldn't have given teenagers whiskey he was absolutely negative negligent in that situation but they were planning to drink and had brought vodka like yeah it is not as cut and dry as like he forced them to drink alcohol like he gave them slightly better quality alcohol and then didn't keep enough of an eye on them and really he shouldn't have been letting them drink at all i will have a lot more to say about this when we talk about you know the second half so then we go back to the executives and kelsey busts in on another interview the execs are having with a potential director and she says that her, her pitch is wrong. You're doing this all wrong. She saves the day and everybody loves her? I mean, yeah, that makes sense if she's a man. If you're a woman and you save the day, nobody loves you. They resent you. They try to punish you. The more powerful you are, the more they'll try to take your power away. And I... I just think if your movie is smart, you'll acknowledge that. Ooh, yeah, sounds like a bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. Being a superhero is hard, otherwise everyone would do it. And then she leaves and we see her in the elevator and she's pleased with herself. Which I think is cool. Yeah, I think this is to finish up Gina's stuff. So she's doing this like dancing scene and she gets unexpectedly dipped by a coaster and yeah. she screams and then she gets dropped and yeah, she yeah. causes a big argument between her and the co-star and Justin's trying to calm it all down. Why did you drop me? Why'd you scream at me? Hey guys. I didn't know he was gonna dip me. I am number one on the call sheet. Oh, all I ask for is a modicum Breaking of respect guys. and professionalism. It seems like it's not just that something surprising happened, it's that, like, being dipped when you're dancing with someone puts you in a very physically vulnerable position. Mm. Like, it's very difficult to get over the fear of, like, oh, I hope they don't drop me. Mm. And he does literally drop her. But also, like, the hand on the back of the neck and him looming above her yeah. are both really focused on in this scene with the angle. So, like, I, I think more than most things, like, if he had, like, twirled her unexpectedly, this wouldn't have had the same triggering effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we get the fuck of the season. Yeah, and it's a rough one. Like, just trying to have a safe workplace environment. I had you. What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm, I'm going home. Gina, we need to get the sequence, and we are already behind. Not my problem. Him saying what the fuck is wrong with you, like almost word for word, what she said to Bojack after the choking scene that this triggered in her, like. Mm. I'd forgotten about this. Like, it must have hit me hard when I first saw it as well. But I was like, whoa, like, that is a very interesting way to use that. 
truth be told, I actually don't remember whether we get a second fuck in the second half. Okay. It's difficult to even unpack this. Like It's just very affecting. Yeah, it kind of gives you chills. Because she's also probably going to think of that. Yeah. Because she's going to have been replaying that moment in her mind and having someone be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then like go back to you know deal with the fallout that she created by acting irrationally during filming. Like, mm. she's going to feel like she's the Bojack of this set and this scene. Yeah. Which is, of course, not fair. She mentions a lot that she's number one on the call sheet. I think that makes her feel safe because it makes her feel like she's got the power because he was number one on the yeah. call sheet for, what's it called? Philbert. I was thinking Ruben for some reason. <laughs> um. <laughs> I feel like Philbert and Ruben, they're not similar sounding names, but spiritually, they're very similar sounding names. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think because Rojak got away with so much, she's like, well, I'm number one on the call sheet. Therefore, yeah. I, why aren't I getting away with this stuff? Why is it all coming back on me? And mm. I think it's another gender than that dynamic. Um, so Gina goes home from set and we see that Justin is, is pretty stressed. I get that you're mad and you're totally right, but everybody else here... Not my problem. <sighs> then we go back to Hollyhock and she arrives at the party. And as she, as you've mentioned, she has an anxiety attack. Um, so a boy comes over and tells her to name what she sees and that helps calm her down. What else do you see? Um, books, light fixtures... Now say your name. Hollyhock. You feel any calmer? A little bit. It's a trick my psychiatrist taught me. It's supposed to help you ground yourself. Except for the saying your name part. I just wanted to know your name. Cool. Uh, I'm Peter, by the way. It's Peter. I didn't actually realize at this point that he was Pete Repeat. Yeah, me neither. Peter and Pete are different names. It's been a while since we've heard his voice, and he looks pretty different. Like, he's got a beard, he's got a different haircut. Yeah, he's a bit older. Yeah. Also, at the party, there's some people are just pouring beer down a flamingo's neck. Yeah. And, like, so flamingos can only eat with their head upside down. Oh, okay. And, and now I kind of wonder if they can also only drink with their head upside down. Like, does their head have to be upside down for them to swallow? Because if so, incorrect flamingo necking. <laughs> Lisa et al. <laughs> There's also a cockroach walking by quadruple fisting beers. Oh, wow. Which is fun. <laughs> um, so they decide to go hang out outside. Then we get a quick jump to the reporters, and basically they're in New Mexico. We're here. So back at the studio, Justin and Kelsey are catching up and talking about the movie she's just going to be directing. So she got the movie, which is great. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, that's where they talk about Gina. She's very versatile, really talented. But personality-wise, what's she like? Is she good to work with? I can't risk any drama on set. There's too much riding on this for me. If I'm being honest, I can't recommend her. No? Especially if you have a lot of stunts. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's great on camera. She just... Uh, she can be a little difficult. What do you mean? I don't know what happened. I worked with her a couple of years ago. She was great, but... um, she, Oh, you know who would be perfect? Courtney Portnoy. Oh, I love her. I've heard nothing but good things. Like, he clearly sympathizes with and likes Gina, mm. but he's also friends with Kelsey, and Gina is genuinely hard to work with. And I, th I think that if he knew why, yeah. then not only would he be able to create a less dramatic atmosphere by just, like, treating her differently on set, but, like, he would probably feel comfortable, like, recommending her to Kelsey and maybe even telling her what the deal is. And also it's possible that with a female feminist director, Gina wouldn't be so on edge anyway. Yeah, and it's like, I think it hits so hard because it's like, <laughs> but you're messed up by the same guy. Like, if you just talked about that, maybe yeah. you could help each other. They could share Bojack trauma stories. Yeah, and they could be there for each other and have a beautiful female friendship. And we're denied that. Yeah. There's a woman who is an elephant in this scene at another table reading giant women, which I guess is with little women, oh, but an elephant thing. Nice. Pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we have the last scene. We go back to the party and Hollyhock and Pete are standing around. Hollyhock's trying beer and she doesn't like it. Why would you? 
Yeah, exactly. Even Pete admits that. It's fine. You're not even supposed to like it yet. It, it tastes okayer over time. Yeah, I'm kind of aspiring to be okayer over time myself. I don't understand that, but there are other drinks that automatically taste good. Yeah. Or drinks that still taste really shitty, but get you drunk way faster. <laughs> <laughs> Beer is the worst of all worlds. Yeah, it is. It is. But I remember somebody saying that you know they want to get used to the taste of beer because it's cheaper, like and more social, which is interesting. Yes. Like people, they go out for beers. They don't go out for shots of vodka. Well, some do, but they're like it's a different type of going out. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess there is peer pressure to drink beer. Although, I would say in Australia, it's it's different in that it's a very normal thing to get a cider instead, especially in Melbourne. Mm. Like, cider has a roughly similar alcohol content, and it tastes nice. It's like a fizzy apples juice. Yeah. Doesn't taste like water that's had bread soaking in it for a year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure in America... Cider means something different because I hear people talk about it on podcasts like it is a soft drink that you would give to a child. Okay. Like I, I think it, I think that might be what they call just like carbonated apple juice or something, and that they have to qualify it as hard cider if it's the alcoholic kind. Yeah, I think in America they have cider just as a non-alcoholic drink, whereas here cider usually refers to the alcoholic drink. In Australia, we don't call it beer; we call it. Beer. And stubbies. I was trying to say beer in a really, really thick Australian accent for the joke, and you just sort of can't. doesn't have enough phonemes. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds <laughs> like I'm sleepy. <laughs> um. Yeah, so Pete tells her, that, yeah, they're talking about alcohol, and Pete, Pete says that he wasn't able to drink it in college because of experience he had in high school. Well, there was this girl in my town. She had this man living in her house. You mean like more than one dad? No, no. She had just the one dad. But then there was this other guy. Weird. Totally weird, right? Okay, so this girl was best friends with my girlfriend. We all went to prom together. Me, my girlfriend, the girl, and the man. This guy bought us bourbon and practically forced us to drink it. And then when my girlfriend got alcohol poisoning, he just ditched us at the ER. Was your girlfriend okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was scary in the moment. We were there all night, and they pumped her stomach. And I was pretty traumatized for a while. But but the thing, things are good now. Things are good. I feel both vindicated and relieved mm. that there were like serious effects on the other people that night because I have spoken before about how I think that like there's too much focus put on what did and didn't happen with Penny and who was culpable there but like the fact that he allowed a teenage girl to get alcohol poisoning and then just kind of like left her at the hospital with her boyfriend who was meant to be like pretending that it was just him and her mm. with a very suspicious story of I don't even know where she got the alcohol mm -hmm. like I was concerned that like maybe she died or maybe she didn't die, but because of the way he had to tell the story, everyone blamed him for it, and he got socially ostracized or even, like, charged. Yeah. And I'm sure she's not doing great either. Like, we, we don't meet her again, but, like... Yeah, it sounds like they're definitely not together yeah. anymore. I mean, in fairness, like, that night is probably kind of a blur to her, but waking up in the hospital's never fun. No. I did that once in my entire life, and it was after I had planned to wake up in the hospital, because... I went to sleep in it and it still sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't even sick. I was just there for a sleep study. It's like as untraumatic as a night in the hospital could possibly be. I hated <laughs> it. A lot of wires. The score in the scene with Pete is really effective. Like it's subtle, but it evokes a real sense of dread, as you know. Like, as yeah. if you're like me, you realize, like, oh shit, this is that guy. And yeah. then, like, a mounting sense of dread as the scene ramps up to. I realized it wasn't the alcohol's fault, or, or Maddie's fault, or, or my fault. It, it was just some shitty dude, you know? Totally. But you know the craziest part of all? The guy. He's actually kind of famous. Really? Who is he? Um... Who is he? Yeah, like, re-watching it, I'm like, 
like they they could be setting it up for maybe he doesn't remember like oh it's a famous guy but no i can't remember his name but i presume from what you yeah. said that he says it <laughs> it always seems to me like he knows he just doesn't want to say it yeah but then he like opens his mouth to say something right before it cuts to black there is a very effective scene for leaving you with a couple of months of unease while you wait for the second half of the season to come out yeah yeah, it's um, wild. It does a really good job, this episode, of, like, reminding you what's happened and getting you, like, interested in what's going to happen. I think it was actually a really good way to tie up a few of these loose threads. Mm. And it's a much better solution than just, like, we never find out what happened to Peter. We never find out how Kelsey's career is going. We never find out how Gina's lingering trauma is affecting her career. Like, yeah. It's like, we will find out, but it won't be through Bojack's eyes this time. Yeah, because any introduction of Bojack back into their lives creates a whole nother set of issues and things to address. It would also kind of detract from what we're being shown, because mm. we know that the like their problems now are a result of their pasts with Bojack. Whereas if like Bojack pops up in their lives again, then the shitty day they're having is about that. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Th- this is this is how badly their lives have been affected having never seen him again, basically. Mm. I mean, uh, I guess Kelsey did. Like they they spoke after that, but like since last we saw them meet. Yeah. I liked that they didn't use any of the Main five. Yeah. Pickles and Hollyhock are probably the best known people that we see. Yeah. Neither of those are, yeah. Yeah, I think, so Will Arnett, Alison Brie, and Aaron Paul aren't in it at all, but Paul F. Tompkins is the editor-in-chief, and Amy Sedaris is a potential director. Who's she usually? Princess Carolyn. I saw her, like, live action in a Meat Space movie. Yeah. She She was in The Mandalorian. Oh, really? I was like, ah, this Princess Carol. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, she's in like a lot of comedy stuff. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, she's great in that, mm-hmm. in Broad City. Should we murder a horse? Yes. You can email us at horseandaloud at g- Oh, actually, speaking of, we do have an email. Oh, okay. Put that horse on life support page. <laughs> so we've got an email. I'm going to skip a ginormous chunk of this email because it is essentially asking us what we thought of the second half of the season, uh-huh. which obviously I have thoughts on, but we're not going to answer them on the show yet. Sounds guys. Yeah, this is from listener Ken. Hi, Gem and Paige. I finished watching the Bojack Horseman finale yesterday, and I'm looking forward to hearing your coverage of it. Were you guys happy with... Rejected. <laughs> As a kid, I did make a peanut butter and pickles sandwich, but to be fair, I didn't like it. I blame it on not understanding that certain flavors go well together, probably assuming that stuff like Scooby-Doo sandwiches, which had everything packed together on it, would be totally edible. I did mash a banana into a PB sandwich, which was better flavor-wise, but still gross since squished banana is slimy. Take mm. care, guys, and thanks for all the podcasts. You take care, and thanks for all the email. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we were talking about whether pickles and peanut butter is a thing that goes together. Yeah. And despite this new data point from Ken, still unsure. (laughs) Because Ken did it, but it was bad. Yeah. Um. (laughs) I feel like people might put peanut butter on pickles. Yeah. Or maybe that's like a pregnant woman trope thing. Right? Like, I definitely think of pickles and peanut butter as being like a weird pregnancy craving thing yeah. if anything i don't know why I, like <laughs> other listeners other than ken <laughs> what is your stance thanks ken all right kill the horse you can <laughs> if you want to email us you can do so at horse and at gmail.com h-o-r-s-a-n-a-l-o-u-d or you can tweet at us at horse and allowed pod and you can also find us on Tumblr or Facebook. If you like the show, please rate or review it on iTunes, or just hire us to direct a film about your favourite podcaster superhero. <laughs> I'm Jem DeSalis. I'm Paige Winkle. And until next time... Suck, suck a dick, dick dumb, dumb shit. shit.